0: Let me get myself situated while, uh, while I am. The, if you are still in here, let's, let's flip over to Luke chapter 14 together if you have your Bibles. Uh, if you don't, you can look at the side screens or uh, what's going to happen is you can scoot on over next to somebody who does have, that, uh, who does have a Bible in their, in their hands. Luke chapter 14. All right, we're going to start in verse 15 together. In verse 15, here we go. We've got a lot to get through today, so let's have some fun here. Hearing this, a man sitting at a table with Jesus exclaimed, What a blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied with this story A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to tell the guests, Come, the banquet is ready. But they all began making excuses. One said, I have just bought a field and must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five pairs of oxen and went to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant returned and told his master what they had said. His master was furious and said, Go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. After the servant had done this, he, rep- he reported, There is still room for more. So his master said, Go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. For none of those I first invited will get even the smallest taste of my banquet. Would you pray with me? God, as we unpack this, Lord, would our hearts be open to you? Would our hearts be willing to listen to your word? And we would, be, would we be guided and directed by you this morning so that your words sink in? We ask all these things in your name. Amen. I, I have to admit that I'm a little bit nervous about uh, preaching this sermon, um, not because I think that I, I don't have it all together, but because... Um, I think I don't have it all together. <laughs> um, I, everything is here, but one of the things I think about is um, I know that this is somewhere where we want to be, and the verses that we're going to read today sound a little a little hard to understand and you know, what's going on and, and where are we headed. But I think that um, this is an incredible part of our walk with Christ. And so usually I want to be flamboyant and happy and, hey, tell lots of jokes. I just don't know if we have the chance to do this. And so if I fumble through some things, uh, just kind of keep going with me because we're going to get there. We're, we're going to get where we're going. But I think that I have to set some things up this morning. and And this story... When I'm studying on what it means to be a disciple, uh, this story smacks me in the face. Because you see, Jesus comes along and uh, for years and years and years, these people called the Israelites think they've got it all made. They think they understand. They, they think they're in the end. And so this guy comes up to Jesus and goes, man, isn't it going to be awesome when we're in heaven someday at this banquet? It's going to be so great. And then Jesus completely drops a bomb on him and says, you do not get it. You think it's only for you. You think that this is about you. And so he goes into this huge story, and, even, and he even makes fun of the people that are there. For instance, who buys a piece of land without looking at it first? Do any of you buy a piece of land without looking at it first? No, that would be the worst investment in the world, and yet that's the excuse this guy has for not joining into the kingdom of God. I don't, I don't want to come to your banquet because I've got other things I've got to do. I've got, I've got other places that I've got to grow my own kingdom. And so when I get a chance, I'll come to your banquet. Who buys some oxen and doesn't go, hey, I'll get my work out of them later on. I just wanted to be pre- prepared for them. Nobody goes to Zerby Brothers and buys a brand new air cedar and goes out right now and does it. Right? Unless they want to buy another air cedar again tomorrow, the ground is frozen. It'll probably break, right? But it would be like me coming and saying, hey, why don't you come to this banquet? Why don't you come and have some food after church service? Say, ah, you know what? I just bought a, bought a PS4 and I really want to play it. So I'm going to go home and play that. And then he goes on and he says, here's, here's another thing. I just got married right? Uh, and so I can't come. It's kind of like this, oh, I didn't, I didn't ask my wife first, so I can't really come to your banquet. Sorry, man. Or I got other things to do, if you know what I mean, right? Like he's, he's literally saying, you don't get it. You don't understand. You're making excuses for the best thing that's going to happen for you. And you're putting absolutely everything off. Because today's word that I'm going to say use a lot, disciples, discipleship, discipler, all those sort of things, which we're going to get into and we're, we're going to give the meaning, you've heard me say over and over again. From here, would you be willing to be disciples? And yet, most of us are sitting here just like the other three going, it's going to be great to get up in heaven and just experience your life together, God. It's going to be so amazing. But yet, when Jesus invites us to follow him, we every single day say, I got something else more important. I got something else in the fire that I'm going to go take care of. And I find it funny that this starts all the way down for little kids, all the way up to 105 year olds. I've got something else I've got in the oven that I'm taking care of. I don't know if I can do the work that you're asking me to, God. And if you don't understand that the call to be a part of this banquet, to be a part of Jesus is the best thing that could ever happen in your life, you're not going to get the rest of this. And so that's why I had to read this story because I was smack dab in the face because we want to put it off on other people, right? We want to say things like, well, ah, church, I'm not really growing in church. And so guess what? I I, I just don't think it's going to happen for me. Or, hey, I just I can't grab a group of friends that are going to join me in this. And so I guess I guess I just can't do this. I mean, we have excuse after excuse after excuse not to do this. And if we're going to talk about baptism and we're going to talk about membership, we have to talk about first what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And so now, since I've got that out of the way, let's read the main passage that I want to read. Because if you don't desire to be a part of this banquet, these next few verses are going to actually make you a bit upset. Because when I read them and I sent a text to one of my friends last night saying, this is one of my main verses, how do I preach this? It dawned on me that it's not a problem, that these verses are not an issue when we desire to be a part of the banquet of God. It's like, oh yeah, that's super easy. But if you get to these verses and you're like, ah, I can't do that, you haven't accepted the invitation to the banquet yet. And so let's read these verses. We're going to go 25 through 33 together. Here we go. A large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and said to them, If you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else your father and mother, wife and children, brother and sister. Yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. But don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there is enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money. And then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, There is the person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. Or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him. And if he cannot, he will send a delegate to discuss terms of peace while the enemy is still far away. So you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own So I read these verses and I'm looking at discipleship and I'm sitting here going if this is the if this is the pinnacle of our relationship with Jesus Christ if we desire to become all of these if we desire to become a disciple literally God says in comparison in comparison you don't just because you <laughs> Follow Christ and become a disciple doesn't mean you go to your father and mother and say, well, I hate you now. No, in comparison, I would much rather desire to do the things of God, to be like Christ more than anybody else liking me, even including my own self. If you don't carry your own cross, if you actually don't, if you also decide to follow me, you have to deal with the stuff you've got going on too, and you have to carry it. And I love the next, I love this last part. I didn't at first like it, but I love it now. But don't begin without counting the costs. There are some of you in this room that for right now, it is okay to simply just go, Jesus is just all right with me for right now. There are some of you who are not ready to jump in and say, I'm all in. But there are others of you who God has been calling over and over and over again to give in a little bit more and say, would you just become my disciple for a really long time now? And you've been sitting on the edge going, but wait a second, I'm counting up the cost and I just don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can handle that. That might mean that I have to give up something. That might mean that my life has to look completely different and people will make fun of me. That might mean this. And then, and then guess what? You count up the cost and you say it's not worth it for me. Or you jump all in and at the very last it says you cannot be my disciple without giving, every, giving up everything you own. That doesn't mean just because today you decide to be a disciple and, and all of a sudden you have to go clear out all your bank accounts. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, listen, those things are not yours anymore. They're mine. And so now you, everything is mine and you just get to simply use them. For my glory is what God is saying. So today I want to talk a little bit about looking at some of the costs of what it means to be a disciple. What that actually looks like in your life. Because when we look at this things, it's full of cannot, you cannot be my disciples. But I want to tell you what it can be today. I want to walk with you guys and say, this is what scripture looks like. If you're at a point in your life where you're saying, I have to take the next step forward. And I'm telling you, I look across this room and all of us can take another step. No matter where we're at, if, if you look at it, and, and I've said this before, that if you look at the span between my arms as the continuum of your life and God is over here and somewhere over here is when you first started your life, everybody is on this continuum because we believe in our church that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so now are you way over here just going, ah, I'm trying my best. Are you maybe here where you've sat there and you've gone, yeah, I've given my life to Christ. Or are you over here where you're about great-grandma and you're about to die and it's going to be glorious, right? Sorry, great-grandma, I'm not hoping you're dead yet. But you see what I'm saying? We're all in this continuum and you have to be honest and open with where you're at. And so as we get this, um, get into this conversation today... I really hope that you would start the process of going, "I want that. I desire that. I want to be this way and I'm not that way. And so I'm going to start out with the very first question that's at the very bottom of your sermon notes, and I was really um, graceful to you, uh, gracious to you this morning, and I'm not going to have you fill out all these things. I already put it out there for you. And so the very first one is this: is you have to ask your question yourself today. Am I a disciple? Am I a disciple? And we're going to discuss what that is. And then be honest with yourself and say, what areas do I need to grow in becoming a disciple if I choose to be? So the very first thing that I, I want to talk about in this is what is, a, what is a disciple or discipleship? Meaning, by the way, you'll never find the word discipleship in The New Testament, you'll only find disciple. Discipleship is basically being a disciple and and being a part of that. It's kind of like relationship. okay? So discipleship is an intentional life lived towards becoming more like Christ and following him. It is no longer that we can just simply say, Hey, I think your banquet's cool, but I can't come today. It is going, no, I am intentional about putting on my calendar that the banquet's coming along and I'm going to be a part of it. And more than that, I want to be more like Christ as I follow Him. I want to be more like Christ as I follow Him. Because if we say that at the very end of life, The culmination of this Christian relationship is to be in heaven. Guess what? I'm telling you, heaven is not about you. Heaven is not where you get to play golf 24-7 if you want to right? You may, I don't know. Heaven is not where you get to sit down and eat all the Eugene's pizza and never get fat that you want to. That's not what it is. It's not, hey, I finally get the chance to be able to dunk because I'm just as short as Tim Phillips is, right? Like, no, it's not all those sort of things. Tim, I love you. It is about sitting there and going every single moment of the rest of eternity is about giving glory to the creator and sustainer of all things. Whatever that looks like. For some of you, it might be singing. For Brian and I, no, it's not. But we have to realize that if that's the culmination, I want to be more like Christ because Christ is the person that every single moment of every single day gave glory to God. How do our disciples live then? They live intentionally. Once again, the word intentional living in a way that allows others to see the real us. We're not faking anymore. We're not having a process where people think that we're doing okay. No, we are honest and open exactly where we're at. That's one of the things that I think that I have loved about being a pastor, and and Brian and I have been, is I get to stand up here and tell you where I am not a Christ-looking person. But our discipleship says, no, the most important thing is that I continue to be real with myself and say, hey, I want to be more like Christ. And I want to throw this out here. I believe that knowledge happens in Bible studies. Relationships are built in small groups. Rules are followed in accountability groups. But Christ-likeness is required in discipleship. Discipleship is a place, and, and I'm going to tell you this in a little bit about where we're possibly heading in our church in discipleship, but I'm, I'm here to tell you that as a disciple, man, we get to come up. You don't get to hide in Bible studies anymore and say, hey, I'm, I'm kind of doing this, or hey, I just missed this week. No, it, discipleship is incredibly in your face going. I want you to really take a step and continue to look more like Jesus all the time. And it's not, and it is not a Bible study where I get more information because I'm going to tell you, uh, Francis Chan has this incredible story. He said one Saturday, he comes to his daughter and he says, Hey, um, I want you to clean your room. And so she goes, Oh man, clean my room. This is going to be amazing. And so this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go and I'm going to get four of my friends and we're going to go into my room and we're going to do a word study on what it means to clean and then what it means to have a room. And then we're going to study what you are like and how you think that you, should, that you should think that I should clean my room. And so we're going to go and we're going to do this for a whole entire year. And so at the end of the year, his daughter comes in and she knows everything about cleaning a room. And she knows who her dad is and what the house is and all this stuff. And then they come out to Francis and she goes, hey, dad, man, I had the best study ever about cleaning my room. It was phenomenal. Like I even know the Greek word of clean. And, and really what you really meant when you said clean your room was really what you meant it is, is my room. And so, uh, so we think that maybe you should just clean it up yourself. You know what's funny? We do that to God all the time, don't we? Yeah, share your faith. Follow me. Be fishers of men. Share your story. God, I, I don't know if I can share my story. I'm telling you, I I don't. I we make every excuse in the book. What if we change? And I'm not ragging on Bible studies. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying if we have these in the right categories, where if we need more knowledge, that's great. But at some point, discipleship requires us to be and do something, which is to look more like Christ and to absolutely go, this is where I'm lacking and this is where I need to pick up Christ a little bit more. Please do not hear me that if you've been a part of Bible studies and part of small groups and and a part of accountability groups that I'm saying they're not, that they're not worth it. They absolutely are. But I'm saying now let's take the next step and let's start cleaning our room a little bit. Let's start being honest with where we are. Because in discipleship, all of our conversations are always pushing back to ways the Bible asks us to deal with issues. That when we come up against something in our lives, we have a place to go and say, what does this look like? What is God asking me to do? It's slow and it's purposeful. It is not quick. It is not. It is not a croc, It is not a microwave. It's a crock pot. So let's look into the characters and traits of a disciple of Jesus Christ. The first is this: a disciple's first priority is his relationship with Jesus. Luke four twenty six through 30 says this. Did I skip ahead, Tony? I'm sorry. I'll read it. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and his children, his brother and his sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. We've already read this. But I want you to hear what he's saying is is this is our first priority, is our first priority is Jesus Christ, of having a relationship with Jesus. Because going back to the banquet analogy, what's gonna happen is, is Jesus is gonna ask us to do something, we're gonna go, you know what, there is an incredible Netflix movie right now, I need to watch that. I wonder how many of us put other priorities in front of Jesus. I know I do. I do it a lot in terms of putting priorities in front of Jesus. Like, man, I I just, I'm worried about what that person's going to think of me. You don't understand. I just don't have enough time. I've got all these other things I've got to do. Things are piling up, God. I've got to do this. No, my first priority is a relationship with Jesus. I was talking to somebody in my discipleship group, which I'm going to get to in just a little bit, but this morning we talked about how we're finally getting to the point where it's like, no, I I have to answer the call of Jesus in my life because if I don't, then I know he's not a priority. And those people were like, I'm freaking out because my heart just starts to pump because this is what you're at, because this is what I know God is asking me to do. But the response is, Jesus Christ is my first priority. In everything, at work, at home, in all my extracurricular activities, do I make this a first priority? And I hope you do, because man, it could change everything for you. The next thing: a disciple asks, What would Jesus do? Now I know we're going back to the WWJD things, but hey, what would Jesus do in this very moment if I am a disciple of Christ? What would Jesus do? Luke 640, a student is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. 1 Peter 2.21 says, for God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you, he is your example, and you must follow in his steps. David Platt, in one of his sermons this week, he said he said something. Uh, he uh, every week he brings up a couple people in in his sermon. We don't know who David Platt is, Uh, he's been rocking my world. Um, And so you can listen to uh, his podcast uh, called Radical. But one of the things he says is um, there's a lawyer that was huge. I mean, just going to town and making a name for himself. And all of a sudden, God got a hold of his heart and he absolutely started doing all of his work pro bono. Just a top rated lawyer doing amazing things. And they were asking him, why? Why do you find church so important? Because he's not normal. And he says, because church is the one place in my week where I actually be, get, get to be normal. Where it's normal to be different than the rest of the world. So in terms of what would Jesus do? Man, man. Man, he might call us to some incredible things, but at least as a disciple and as a part of a church, we get to come together and go, keep going on because you're normal here. But I wonder if most of the time we just keep doing what the rest of the world does so that we can make it. And if Jesus is our first priority in relationships, man, I'd rather do what Jesus does than anything else a disciple gives all of his possessions to Christ and I and I'm here to tell you that that looks like a desire that everything I own is Jesus's anyway oh Jesus you want me to you want me to give whatever this is absolutely it's not a surprise to me When the opportunity comes to give all my possessions to him, it's me saying my life is not mine anymore. It's yours. You have already paid the price. So everything I have goes to bringing glory to Christ over and over again. Read Luke 14 again. The next one. A disciple yields his rights in order to follow Christ. Mark eight thirty four through 36 says this. Then calling the crowds to join his disciples, he said, If any of you want to be my followers, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? And we've heard these verses over and over again. But in terms of being a disciple, I'm just not going to keep on holding on to the things that I think are so important. Goes back to the very first one. What's your priority in life? Number six, a disciple loves. oh sorry, I skipped one. Number five, a disciple bides in the word and grows in his understanding of the truth. John eight thirty one through 32. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Here's the problem, and I've said this over and over again. One of my favorite verses is Proverbs 23, 23. Look it up. Um, It says, buy truth and do not give it away. Get knowledge, understanding, and understanding. How often do we trade the truth for something so not the truth? I would rather have the truth in my life because I'd rather have it set me free. But sometimes I allow the rest of the world to tell me the truth. You've got to create this. You've got to have this. You've got to go on to this. You've got to do these things. Well, No. What if I followed God's truth? Number six, a disciple loves other disciples in tangible ways a disciple loves other disciples in tangible ways. A new commandment I give you in John 13:34 through 35. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Man, start loving one another in this room. We do that in lots of different ways. Man, our church does great with providing meals for people who are hurt by visiting other people. But that's what you get to do. It's not just the pastor's job. It's your ability every single day to go, I want to love other disciples. Number eight, a a disciple invites others to follow Christ. Matthew 4 is a great one, Matthew four nineteen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. It's not just to follow me, but it is to share it constantly. I skipped seven. Seven's not in there, y'all. Number seven. A disciple obeys God. If you obey my commands, you, ah, sorry, John 15, 10. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have obeyed my father's commands and remain in his love. A disciple obeys God. And number nine, back on track. Number nine, a disciple knows the voice of Christ through his relationship with him. And I want, to spend a little bit of time on this one if you'll bear with me i know i'm going a little bit late but we're going to wrap it up here (sighs) a disciple knows the voice of christ through his relationship with him there's an amazing story that is probably um, a story that rocks my world every time i read it and Good night. I'm not going to tear up now. I'm a man. Genesis 18. And whoever of you is texting me, you've got to stop. And the only reason why I have my phone is because I'm gonna, it's going to get here. But I, now I'm going to get a whole bunch of them. Luckily, Brad Marlonet is not in, the, in here. Uh, okay. Genesis 18, six, and we're going to start in verse 16. I'm going to tell you what's happening. God comes to Abraham, and Abraham uh, is just a normal guy who wants to do what God is asking him to do. So God creates a covenant with him, and he says, you need to go. You need to leave your whole family, your father, your mother, your aunts, your uncles, your brothers, your sisters. Does this sound a little interesting to you about, you know, leaving and hating? This is the most important. God goes, I'm going to make a covenant with you. I'm going to show you a land that I, that I have promised. And so Abraham just follows. That's it. God, would you just lead me? I don't know where you're taking me, but I'm going to keep on going. And we get to the part in Abraham's life where there's this town called Sodom and Gomorrah. And Sodom and Gomorrah is a completely deprived of God place who has decided that whatever they want to do, they're going to do. They're not going to listen to God whatsoever. And so, so the Lord, which by the way is Jesus, Jesus comes to Abraham's tent and he says, let's talk. Let's talk. And so Abraham is talking with Jesus and Jesus says, should I tell you my plans for Sodom and Gomorrah? God of the universe is sitting with Abraham saying, can I just tell you my plans? And they are really horrible plans. They're really quite bad plans because he is going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because they outright do not want to be following God. And so the Lord tells Abraham. And so then these angels leave and only Abraham and God is sitting there. And this is where I want to pick up in verse 23. Abraham approached him, Jesus, and said, Will you sweep away both the righteous and the wicked? Suppose you find 50 righteous people living there in the city. Will you, still we, will you still sweep it away and not spare it for their sakes? Surely you wouldn't do such a thing, destroying the righteous along with the wicked. Why would you be treating the righteous and the wicked exactly the same? Surely you wouldn't do that. Should not the judge of all the earth do what is right? And the Lord replied, If I find 50 righteous people in Sodom, I will spare the entire, entire city for their sake. Abraham spoke again. Since I have begun, let me speak further to Jesus. He's sitting with God, right? Like he's getting to talk with God. And he says, Let me speak further to you. Even though I am but dust and ashes, suppose there are only 45 righteous people. Rather than 50, will you destroy the whole city? And the Lord said, I will not destroy it if I find 45 righteous people. How about 40? I will not destroy it. And we speak again, how about 30? I will not destroy it if I find 30. Suppose there's only 20 and I will not destroy it. Finally, he says, don't be angry with me, but what about if there's 10? Jesus says, I'm not going to destroy it even if there's 10. You know what the crazy thing about this story is, is that we don't read, is that in in the Hebrew language, literally what this is, is Jesus saying, I invite you to want to be concerned about what I'm concerned about. Abraham is not praying these things because he's coming up with it on his own but because Jesus is sitting with him saying, would you please pray for 50 people? Would you please pray for 40, for 30, for 20? Would you please pray for 10? Jesus is asking Abraham, the voice of God is asking Abraham, would you please be concerned about what I'm concerned about? Jesus is pleading with Abraham to pray, would you pray that if 10 are still there that I wouldn't do it? I want somebody to be concerned about what I'm concerned about. And my prayers look like, Jesus, would you please just give me another $10 so I can buy a Big Mac? Jesus, would you you please just, I, I just want a retirement. Sometimes it is, Jesus, I don't know what to do with Silas. Would you please just help me? But this, disciple number nine, blows my mind. Disciple knows the voice of God through his relationship with him. The voice of God comes into my life and says, Would you please be concerned about the things I'm concerned about? Not the things you're concerned about, Seth Runner, but the things that I'm concerned about. Because as a disciple, my first priority is with Jesus. And I want to do the things of Jesus. And so, man, I want to be a disciple simply to hear the voice of God. And it's going to be an everyday thing because he's given us this right here. And lastly, but not least, is the disciple is fruitful. John 15, 1 through 5. I am the vine and my father, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every fruit that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will bear even more fruit. You, my page is gone. I'm not even going to go look for it. You have been already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. It's the youth group verse right there. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And so where does this all lead us? In a nice little pretty bow to wrap it up that I'm already seven minutes late, but that's okay. Here's how I wrap it up. If you are looking at this and you are going, man, am I a disciple? Have I really desired these things? I ask that you would be completely... And utterly honest with yourself. And be real with yourself in saying, am I doing these things? And the next question is, if I am, if I'm not, and I want to be, how do I become? And here's, here's how apart. And we've got, I've been working with about five people right now who are willing to take on discipleship groups. And what those discipleship groups look like is we're asking for people to step up for, and be a part of a group that's outside of your Bible studies, that's outside of your small groups, that's outside of your accountability groups, that is a focused, intentional, one-year process where the very first part you're going to be looking at, hey, what is this whole kingdom of God thing all about? The youth group uh, leadership team and us have been going through it. It's called a book multiply. And it's not about books. That's not what I'm saying, but it's about being intentionally with a group, no larger than four people in a group. Going through the idea of, I want to be a disciple. I want to look like Christ. So that for the very purpose, after we're done, guess what? They are fruitful. Those disciples then multiply. Can you imagine what that would look like if Brian took on one person? Actually, if all of you took on one person this year, not, that's not what we're getting at, but at some point you do. Man, think about how much we would be different because we're allowing Jesus Christ to seep into our lives. We'll go through different places of spiritual disciplines. We're actually going to look at, hey, how do you evangelize to somebody? We're going to look at where your spiritual life is, how to read the Bible for all it's worth. Church life. Hey, how do we get involved with church? What does it mean to be involved in church? How do we memorize scripture? All of these things, we're asking for people to step up and say, I want to be a part of a year-long process of looking at this. And so if you want to be a part of that, and if you're looking at this going, man, I, I don't... I, I, I'm not this yet, but I desire to be. Let's get you started. Let's get you going. And these people are willing to meet whenever. Actually, not whenever. Once the group gets together, you'll decide once a week, this is how we meet for an hour and a half. where we're going to look at things like, hey, have you, uh, do you, do you, do you maybe do a journal to see how your relationship with Christ is? This is a really manly journal. That's why I bought it. I really want to journal. They ask questions about, hey, how are you doing in your walk with Christ this week? Because it is separate a little bit. And I know we're adding more, but discipleship is hard. And if you're not to that point of saying, man, I, I'm, I'm there, discipleship. If you're still one of the people who are counting the costs. I want to give you a little bit of encouragement on your phones. You can take your phones out in church if you want. But um, there's a Bible app called Uversion, Or just go to uh, your uh, app store and just type in the Holy Bible and it'll pop up and it's called UVersion. And they've got something that we were just uh, kind of shown this week. Some of us pastors were shown. It's incredible. They have... Uh, over something like 10,000 Bible plans that you can do. And you can now invite a friend to do it with you. And as you invite a friend, I I just invited a friend this morning uh, to be on this with me, but uh, it does the devotional part and it does the verses. And then on the bottom, it says, talk it over. And it gives me a spot to be able to write my response. Hey, this is what I learned today about this. What do you think? We can't always be together because a lot of us work, but man, we can definitely share on this because the one thing that I know that we cannot compete with, I, I can't, I'm not as cool as a movie is every single week. I'm not, uh, I, I'm not a video game. I, you can't play me, right? But the one thing that I know that I can compete with is allowing us to have a chance for true relationship building. So I ask you, would you think about stepping up and saying, I don't look like Christ now, but I certainly want to be, and would you help me with that? Maybe one of you in this room is like, I, I, I can't give uh, the ability to um, be a part of a group, but I want to do one-on-one. Hey, I'll give you our material so that you can start running with it. But I'm here to tell you that this is my desire, is that every single one of us would desire all the time to look like Jesus and to be Jesus and be challenged so I'm going to ask the ushers to come, not the ushers the uh worship team to come forward and, and let's sing one last final song but I want you to examine your heart with this final song am I a disciple and in what areas do I need to grow And if you're interested by the end of today, come and talk to me and we'll get you in a group. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, oh man, would we desire to hear you? Would we desire to grow in you and to put everything aside for the purpose of having you as our priority? Love you, Lord. In your holy name we pray. Amen.
1: This is uh, a lot that we covered today, and so it's hard to it's hard to put it all in a bow. But what I do want to say is, is uh, the most important thing is that that you turn on your brain. Um, it's not always about the same exact answers, but but discipleship is in, engaging with God, thinking about Him first, others second, and maybe sometime you'll think about you. Um, and so. As as we work towards discipleship, just like I I spoke in announcements this morning, that we're here to offer opportunities for tithing and serving and and where God does things in our lives. It's the same thing with discipleship. We're here to offer and and help equip um, people to to live the gospel gloriously, um, joyously. And, And so you don't have to take a class and walk through it with us. It's all right here. But you can't do it alone. You have to have Christ, and you have to be doing something with others. And that's, that's in here, I'm not making it up, it's in here. Trust me. <laughs> um, and so get engaged. Get engaged. Um, turn on your brain, and then let's start making a real change in our community, and not only Glasgow, but in this building, Glasgow, Valley County, in our schools, at our work. Let's pray. Lord, as we try to figure out our relationship with you, may you offer assistance in that. Um, may you shine a light on that. And, and through all of our struggles of being selfish, of being sinners and, and, and distant from you, Lord, we we know that the solution will be to, to get closer to you, for you to get closer to us, For for us to, Continue to just strive to do your will, Lord, and glorify you in all we do. Lord, bless the the food we're gonna eat together um, and, and the relationships that are gonna grow together. We love you, Lord, it's in your name we pray, amen.